It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation who's saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two. We're brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. And we're back at Cafe Americano. I just found out that today. You know, the remotes that we do are special. We like to do them. Last time we had a remote, we debuted the Gorilla Rilla bobblehead, the big size bobblehead. What a crowd that we're able to pull a Cafe Americano. That's right there on the strip at Caesars, outside, great food. Really cool place to do a remote. So we'll do it the Friday before the Indy game, which is the next home game. And we're not going to see each other, a lot of us, for a while, unless you come out here because the Raiders, the next four out of five are on the road. And I looked at it today, and I was hosting Raiders Roundtable with Q and Lincoln, and they put the schedule up in front of us in the broadcast studio, and I said, whoa, Really? On the road, New Orleans. On the road, Jacksonville. Back at home against Indy. And then on the road, Denver and Seattle. Man, Raider Nation, unless you're one of these committed fans who go to a lot of road games, it's a while, man. One home game in the next five. And it's against Indy as they go with Sam Ellinger to be the new quarterback. And that should be a win, I hope, But even though they have a really big offensive line. I wanted to mention Indy for a second. Because before I get to this call, and, and we have open lines if you want to get through, 702-365-9200. I remember I took my son. It was Andrew Luck's last game as a Colt in Oakland. Someone can Google the date on that, whatever it was. And a treat for my son is I got him a sideline pass for the pregame. And we went under the bleachers. So we went under the bleachers where the Colts come out down the tunnel. And we were just standing there in these dark, cold bleachers underneath and just watching it. And Andrew Luck walked by me. I thought he was an offensive lineman, swear to God. He was with the offensive line. He was just as big as all of them. Big cleats on, shoulder pads, massive head and helmet. And I said, whoa, look at Andrew Luck. He is standing shoulder to shoulder with his offensive line. And I remember telling my son at the time, John, I said, this guy is going to be a problem for us in the AFC for – 15 years not five not 10 look at Brady 15 years and then he suddenly retired and now the Colts are having problems with their quarterback position Denver Denver got Russell Wilson everybody who went on radio oh my god this is it this is going to put Denver on a track to win multiple Super Bowls we got Russell Wilson I was kind of leaning in that direction a little bit I think Russell Wilson's a great player now it's a train wreck he's his body has changed and he doesn't run the way he used to. It's a small sample size in Denver, but something has to change there because Russell Wilson's not going to be coached by Nathaniel Hackett much longer because if Hackett can't fix him, Russell Wilson's going to go get his own guy. The ownership of Denver led by Walmart money is going to say, Russ, look, uh, we bought you for a long time and gave up a lot. Who do you want? And Russell Wilson's going to say, I want that guy. I want that individual. He coached me in the past, and that's going to happen there. Justin Herbert's the quarterback in the AFC West that, to me, could be the biggest nightmare because of his upside and talent, but he's always hurt. 
and he's got boy blunder. Brandon Staley is a head coach, and that guy's just a knucklehead going forward on fourth down. And then Patrick Mahomes, he's not getting older. He's not getting slower. He's great. And the Raiders have to figure him out. And maybe we have to wait for Travis Kelsey to retire until we can figure that out because they bludgeoned the Raiders with Kelsey in the last game. But the rest of the AFC, as I go around the league, I think it's beneficial to the Raiders here in the next five or six weeks. I mentioned Indianapolis doesn't have a quarterback now. They're breaking in a guy who's never played. Trevor Lawrence is playing poorly in Jacksonville. He's on the schedule. Russell Wilson. You look at the remaining AFC teams. Did you see the Patriots last night? If the Raiders turn this thing around and they do it smart and they do it quickly, I think we're all going to be sitting here going, we can't wait for New England to get here. Raiders have beat up New England, beat them up in the dual joint practices. It could be pretty good. So with all this happening here, there's a lot of optimism in the Raider Nation. But winning the last game against the Texans does not mean anything if you can't beat the Saints. It can't be one step forward, one step back. It's got to be about four or five steps forward now. It starts in New Orleans, a city that's been fan-friendly for the silver and black. Let's see if they can get it done. All right, quickly, let's get out to the phones as we pick up another hour here. Hardcore Raider in Colorado on the Raiders mobile app. Hey, GT, how you doing, sir? Doing well, thanks. Hey, uh, listen to your uh, interview with uh, the GM, uh, Dave Ziegler, and I thought uh, he dropped uh, a lot of great information, some uh, golden nuggets, you know. So I want to talk about the, the trade deadline. You know, I, I'm not the proponent to go out and, you know, overspend for some players and whatnot you know the this year uh i just think we have too many holes you know if anything i would be in the camp as ziegler was saying that you know looking towards 2023 and i'm sure every gm looks at you know the following year but you know i would say if you could trade that sixth round pick we just got for hankins and abram for like a second or third round pick uh i'd say do it i mean he's never lived up to the first round uh capital that we got and Mm -hmm. he's been hurt at times he's done better this year but, I mean, he's still, like, missing, you know, coverages and uh, missing tackles. So, uh, and same, same with Farrell. If we can get some draft capital mm-hmm. to get some studs to make a run next year because the Super Bowl's in Vegas next year, I mm-hmm. think that's a smart move. So, if anything, yeah. I'd be prepared for us to move on from one or two guys because Harmon could fill in and Koontz could fill in, in my opinion, at least. But uh, they yeah. give up the great work. Yeah, you mentioned those players. I think Harmon's an important part of this. Koontz hasn't shown me much. I mean, maybe he shows, thanks for the call, the coach is much. There's a lot of guys on this team that will not be back because they don't fit the scheme of Dave Ziegler and what he wants to do going forward and Patrick Graham on the defensive side and Josh McDaniels. If you look at the toys that Josh McDaniels have, Hunter Renfro was extended. Derek Carr was extended. Devontae was traded for. And Darren Waller was given the bag of $50 million. Last I looked, there's only 11 guys on offense and defense. Well, Colton Miller extended before those guys got here he's going nowhere Devonte hunter Derek carr waller you look at the five or six guys the offense is pretty set and then they got dylan parham and thayer mumford those guys could be starters and parham's a starter now mumford could be a starter next year then you're only looking for maybe two more swing guys and another what foster moreau they seem to like a lot mac hollins they like a lot I mean, there's not a lot of replacements on the offensive side other than the offensive line. They could always use two new offensive linemen. The defense is what needs to be torn down and built up again for the, what, 30th time. 
We're dealing with tearing down the defense and building it up again while there's a season in progress with a 2-4 and four football team that has the opportunity to go on a run. That's the issue in the building. One of them, what are we going to do to stockpile some draft picks? And they're going to be great draft picks, first and second rounders. But to get a sixth or a seventh here and there so you could use that to package for another deal. Maybe Indomitian Sue walks in the building. Someone else comes in. I don't know. I don't know what Dave's going to do. But I can tell you this much. He's thinking about it. They have a meeting, as he told me exclusively last week on Raider Nation Radio, that they have a meeting every week about 2023. They're doing their job every day on 2022, but they're talking about next year. And I think they need to get some draft picks, and they need to accumulate some more. So would I be shocked if Cleo Farrell or Jonathan Abram were traded? No, I wouldn't be shocked if they're not. They both seem to be pretty invested and excited to be here, and they're playing their ass off. And Jonathan Abram plays really hard, really hard. I just don't think he's any good in coverage, enough to play and start in the NFL. He's good to come in and start on, uh, on a short-down running play where he can be in the box. And the same goes for guys like Devon Diablo, who's playing well. Gets a lot of tackles, but a lot of them are easy tackles because he's chasing someone down or someone beat him, and he's just bringing him to the ground. Okay, he's not Micah Parsons, everybody. Okay, he's not Ray Lewis. So they got to add to the linebacker position. Jayon Brown's a good player. He's not a great player. Denzel Perryman's a pro bowler. He's getting older, but I think he's got a lot left. And then other than Max Crosby, they took a big swing. Like my guy Aaron Judge, a big looping swing and a guy named Chandler Jones. And we're trying to find more and more on Chandler Jones to get optimistic about. And I think it's important that Chandler Jones steps up on this road trip. What do you think? Uh, let's go to Jay in Vegas. Jay, you're up next. What's happening, buddy? Oh, I was just listening to your call, and uh, I agree with the offense, but uh, you didn't mention the running back, but now I was. Uh, you were talking about this year. So that kind of... Mm-hmm. And then uh, the only thing I've been watching in um, their run back from the end zone. Mm-hmm. Seems like every time they run it out of that end zone, they get a flag and end up uh, yeah. going back, and that's when these uh, drives get stalled a lot. I agree with you. I, 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 agree, I agree with you 100%. I would short kick the Raiders every time. I would. No, there, there's penalties there, and they don't, they don't break long runs. If they kick it into the end zone, I think they're doing the Raiders a favor, and the Raiders start on the 25. A lot of teams just kick it out of the end zone there. But, yeah, the penalties that the Raiders start backwards off of the kicking game is something that needs to be cleaned up. Very good point. Okay, that's all I wanted to mention today, and I uh, appreciate okay. your show. I yeah, appreciate you calling in. Uh, let's hear from Patrick Graham. I always want to hear what he has to say. Very important piece to what the Raiders are doing as the defensive coordinator. He spoke to the media about an hour ago. Here it is. The secondary did, uh, and moving on from you having Nate Hobbs out and trying to kind of cover for that spot. Well, the guys came together and fought to, you know, to compete to win a game last week, and. I believe that, you know, like we said before, you know, it's always next man up in this league, and they came out there, fought, and thankfully we got the win. And, you know, I know they're back at it now just trying to improve, but, you know, they were competitive on some throws. You know, they, they challenged us. They got a good receiver core um, with Houston. So I, I was pleased with what they did. 
passing. There might, be, might have been a few uh, miscommunications. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the call was, but mm -hmm. from your vantage point, was that, a, was that an issue against the Texans in certain moments, like like third down? Somebody I, I think usually when you look back at any game, you know, there's usually something that came up. You know, a game, usually keep that in-house or just try to figure it out because, you know, any competitive advantage for the other team. But, you know, usually very seldom do you play a perfect game. So, and it's hard enough to cover those guys, and it's hard enough to have 11 guys on the same page, but that's what we're striving for. So, usually you're going to see something in any game you watch. Patrick, was the emergence of Neil Farrell and him getting more reps a precipice so that you could get rid of a Jonathan Hankins? Anything with the trades and stuff like that, that you got to talk to Josh about that. Has because um, I mean through the first few weeks, Neil Farrell wasn't wasn't playing these last couple of games. He's mm -hmm. gotten out there, you know, played a handful of snaps. What kind of progression has he made as a player? You know, the typical progression you see from rookies. You know, just in terms of you know learning how to study better, taking care of his body better, um, and then it shows up in practice. Because any snaps earned on the field, how we do it here is based on practice. And so, you know, he, he's had an emergence on the practice field. So, you know, when we talk about that, the idea of practice execution becoming game reality, that's what we're looking for. And he's worked really hard at practice, and it's been encouraging. And he knows he has a lot of room to grow, and that's the case for most of us out there. But, you know, the thing is, you, you've seen it in practice to start. Please get more reps. Can you talk about Clee and about him in the inside and just what you're seeing out of him? It's simple, you know, just in terms of what he's doing in practice is – Hope, you know, we're hoping for the transfer to the game day. And the advantage he has of going inside, he, he's a long body. He plays with length. You know, he plays with his hands in front of his eyes. He has good strength, and he has toughness. So once you have that combination of things, whether he was a defensive end, outside backer, however you want to look at it, and you slide him down inside with the combination of the athleticism and quickness, it makes it a suitable um, situation for us to put him down in there. And he's capitalized on it so far. Coach, on that 70-yard pick six by Duran Harmon, a lot of people will point that out. Um, obviously, he's been a huge uh, leadership leadership player for you on the back end. But more importantly than that, what I saw was uh, Jonathan Abram widening the seam, allowing Duran Harmon to kind of bite on that underneath. Um, can you talk about how important Jonathan Abram has been in your system and what he means to you? The, the versatility of Jonathan is important. You know, you know, you see him playing different spots out there. Uh, the leadership in terms of, you know, the communication, that's a big part of it as well. So, you know, it all ties together. You know, anytime someone makes a play out there on that field, very seldom is it because of one person. So, you know, I'm sure Du will thank all his teammates, you know, whether it was the rush they got there, um, you know, the other safety that was holding the, the disguise or what have you. But it all ties together with everybody. And, you know, Du's the, you know, the ultimate teammate. And I'm sure he thanked everybody about that interception. You guys do have a lot of three safety looks um, with Trayvon. Where, um, where are you with Trayvon right now in terms of his development? Again, he's a second-year player. So, you know, second-year player, you know, from that position, I, I think, you know, when I look at it, the safety position is similar to the quarterback spot on the other side of the ball. In terms of how do you improve, you, you got to get experience. You got to see it. You know, you got to see it. You know, we could talk about it on the board. We can show the video, but until you see it and see it through those eyes, you know, because there's a lot of fields you're defending back there, and then tying in the, the skies that we're trying to ask you to do, tying in the run fit, tying in, okay, I might get matched up on the receiver now. It just is through experience that he'll grow, and he's still in the, you know, he's still in the early part of his career. So I'm pleased with where he's heading right now, and you know, he works hard, he's diligent, and he knows he has room to grow, and he's working at it. 
line um, because you talk about the only way you're going to get better is by playing. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, but but that there's that's not the only way. I right, right. <laughs> but, but, but that's how you know mm -hmm. you know what we're talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, but there's going to be mistakes. There's going to mm -hmm. be, um, you know, glitches here and there. Mm -hmm. Where Where's the fine line, you know, of like, hey, that's kind of normal for the process. And mm -hmm. the more we invest, the better off it's going to be. But he's got to be out there or anybody for that matter. Well, you know, we all get paid to perform on Sunday. That's what we get paid to do. Um, but some of the best learning uh, and teaching moments I've had in my career have been from mistakes, you know, and. I can't speak for the other players, for the players, but I know I've learned a lot more from mistake, a lot from mistakes than just whether it was studying in school or studying or listening to my parents. I, my dad and mom, will def I definitely learned better when I, you know, got punished, <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, the mistakes there. But that's part of the process. You know, it's not going to be perfect. It's an imperfect game. But learning from your mistakes, some of the best lessons are from mistakes because you're like, OK, they said it. It happened. Oh, okay. Now I got it. So, you know, it's part of the process. All right. So that's Patrick Graham, a small portion of that. Well, I like to do that when we find out. I get a chance to interview the head coach on Thursday as we play that for you Thursday or Friday. And then if I could get one or two of the coordinators and take about five, ten minutes from it, it resets the show. And he's, he talked about something very important that I'll talk with Levi Edwards about coming up next. These three safety looks. Uh, the three safety look is really interesting to me. That keeps Jonathan Abram on the field with Trayvon Merrig and Harmon. And Duran Harmon's making the plays, and he's the veteran there. So why are they going with three safeties more so than a nickel look or possibly using six corners or five corners? Why are they doing that there? What does he see? That's something we'll explore going forward as the Raiders try to get better on defense. And I still think it's a work in progress, and that's being kind. That's being fair and kind to this Raiders defense. They're still giving up massive chunk plays over the middle of the field. 404 yards, net yards to the Texans is unacceptable. But this new unit makes plays. You know, they score defensive touchdowns this year. They make plays, they turn it over, and I give them all the credit for that. So we'll talk more and more about this, and then hopefully we'll get Patrick Graham on the radio to do a deep dive with him. 702-365-9200 as we are brought to you by Virgin Hotels here in Vegas. I'm going there Thursday night to dinner at Olives. If you haven't been to Olives, Mediterranean cuisine, fantastic service, Todd English's award-winning food, which is unbelievable. My buddy Rudy at the bar, my buddy Todd, who's the vice president over there. Go to Olives and check it out inside that beautiful property. You'll have a great meal. Great service. A lot of friends are there. And that's one of the many restaurants that we recommend you go visit at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. When people come to town, I give them restaurant reservations. I might not pick up the tab if I'm not there with them, but I tell them where to go. And they normally thank me. Levi Edwards joins us next from inside the Raiders facility. And we'll get his perspective. He was at the press conference today and what he thinks is going on here. So we'll get to him coming up next and your phone calls coming up the rest of the way. So that's where we're at on a good day today as we install the radio game plan for New Orleans. If you missed what I said in the open, I'll circle back to it. But this is an important game. Raiders should win it. They have the better roster and they're playing better. But can they prove it in New Orleans?
We talked about we've talked about it for a while. Um, and that doesn't mean that like next week's automatically going to be the same result. But um, you know, look, we've we've said this for a number of weeks. Is you know when when you when you don't play your best or you lose a game, you know you have an opportunity to learn from that. And uh, so we've tried to find some solutions. Try to we have to identify the problem first, you know, and then try to find some solutions to it. So. We've worked really hard at that. The players deserve the credit. Uh, we we practiced, you know, in the red zone three days last week, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and they really acclimated to, you know, trying to improve in that area of our game. And uh, you know, again, we saw a little fruit for our labor. I like that. They're working on it. They're supposed to. That's what Josh McDaniels does. Red zone offense. I think he's got more experience than anyone in football the last twenty years working with Tom Brady and those slot receivers, and Randy Moss, and everybody they had. There shouldn't be anybody on the planet who knows more about red zone offense than Josh McDaniels. And Raider fans should be fortunate to have it as they're trying to button this up and get that unit working better. Levi Edwards joins us. He's always sitting up front at the press conferences today. Mick Lombardi and Patrick Graham. And Levi, good to talk to you. I want to start off. We just played a little bit of Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, and he talked about these three safety looks. What do you think about that, seeing Deron Harmon, Abram, and Merrig on the field at the same time? Well, it's good to always talk to you, JT, and it was a, definitely a great win. As for the three-safety set, I really do love it, just from the sense that Deron Harmon has played himself into a big role in this defense, not just with what he can provide on the field, but what he can provide off the field, just with the veteran leadership, and the things that he brings, he's a ball hawk, as we saw with his first career pick six. And so when I talk to a lot of the guys in the locker room, especially in the secondary, and I ask them, you know, like who's a leader you've looked up to, who's somebody that you've taken a lot from, they all say Duran. They all say do. Uh, that's what they call him. So uh, it was really good to see him in that three-safety set with Merrig and Abram, who are both still young players. Uh, you know, Abram is a little bit more experienced, but has suffered from a couple of injuries, and Merrick is still trying to find his way after successful rookie campaign. So to have him back there with those two guys, it really helps and really brings a lot of cohesion to that unit. I like what Patrick Graham is doing. He's kind of like a madman of the defense. It's pretty cool. Levi Edwards is our guest, digital reporter for the Raiders. So, you know, good news for Jonathan Hankins. He gets traded to a playoff contender in the Cowboys where they need his depth up front. He's been a veteran in this league for a long time, and he knows that division well. What do the trades say to you in regards to the depth that the Raiders have remaining on the interior defensive line and how more guys can get more snaps going forward? Well, what the trade says to me is that, A, they're very pleased with what they've been getting in the starting unit from Blau Nichols and Andrew Billings, who have been, I would say, good if not great within stopping the run this season. Uh, they've held a lot of great running backs to few yards, uh, especially within the second half, is when, and that's when you need it the most, is uh, you need to stop the run in the second half, kill momentum. So I feel like they've done a great job with that. It is also uh, a tribute to the progress of the guys behind them, which is Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler, these guys that were picked up in the draft this uh, this year, and I believe that they're really starting to see the progress from those two rookies that they like to see in, in order to warrant them getting more snaps. So it just makes more sense to, you know, kind of continue to build up the young guys, get them uh, in more game action. And also, I'm not sure if you've noticed, JT, but Cleveland Farrell 
he's starting to get a lot of snaps on the inside as well, mm-hmm. along with Deshaun Bauer. So really, they're trying to mix things up on the interior, and they're trying to get younger, trying to get a little faster, and, and continue to succeed. And you know, Jonathan Hankins, he was he was good for what he could do when he was with the team, which is stop the run. But you know, they definitely look like they want to get younger, want to get faster, and continue to get that rotation going, which I truly believe they can do uh, with these new two rookies that they have, as well as Cleveland Farrell. Levi Edwards from inside the Raider facility, digital reporter, always in the locker room, always at the press conference. That's why he's one of our new insiders on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. So a couple other things. I asked this to Lincoln Kennedy today about the pass blocking because we're not talking about it. We're not because the run blocking has been exceptional. And that comes from the mouth of Josh Jacobs, who says he's running through the biggest holes he's run behind. He's putting up Marcus Allen-type numbers. So we haven't been able to really break down the pass blocking here. I think we're going to have to coming up, especially in New Orleans. I think this could turn into a passing game because Dennis Allen is going to want to take Josh Jacobs out of the game plan. Tell me what you see with the offensive line and pass protection. Uh, this offensive line for the Raiders, and I'm not sure if you would say the same, JT, but I think it's been one of the more underrated units mm-hmm. uh, amongst the team. And they came into the season with so many questions uh, as to how things will work out. And then, of course, you see that Chargers game. They give them five sacks, and you're just like, okay, this might not be it. And uh, since that Chargers game, the offensive line has allowed an average of less than 1.5 sacks per game throughout the past, throughout the next five games after that. So it means that they're starting to gel. They're starting to be cohesive. And you can just see Derek Carr. He has a lot more time in the pocket to kind of do his thing. And you can see how he was able to operate in that against Houston. He was able to kind of run around the pocket. You know, he realized that, you know, his offensive line was going to take him into a different, you know, to a different direction. So he kind of was able to maneuver through the pocket, make some outside runs, do his thing. And, and that's what I really love to see. I think that they are – exceptional at pass blocking, especially those two rookies, uh, Parham and, and Munford. Mm-hmm. I feel like they did a great job pass blocking against Texans. And it's definitely going to be completely, utterly necessary to get the pass going against the Saints because they're banged up in the secondary. And also the, the Saints' defensive line and linebackers, they're stacked. They have, the, they have DeMario uh, Davis. They have Cameron Jordan. They have Davenport. They have some really good guys in that front seven that are really good at stopping the run. Uh, not to say that Josh Jacobs still won't do his thing against the Saints because he's just been on a hell of a run, but definitely getting the pass going against this defense that's a little banged up, especially within that secondary unit, I think is going to be pivotal. Yeah, that's excellent. I think that is going to be pivotal. On a personal note, I'm assuming you're going on this trip. Have you ever done a back-to-back road trip? I've done one in the past. New Orleans into Sarasota and Jacksonville. Are you excited about getting out of Dodge here for a couple of weeks? I would. I'm actually uh, sitting this one out. I'm actually going to uh, – uh, they've actually given me the, the week off to kind of do my thing nice. here in Vegas. So, uh, of course, there are two cities that I've both been to. I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually just in Jacksonville uh, for a wedding last year, and it was a very cool city, I would must say. I, like, I love the beach in New Orleans. I've been to New Orleans before a handful of times, and I, I love the atmosphere there as well. So uh, – you know, even though I'm going to be sitting, you know, staying back in Vegas, I'm not going to be too, not going to be too upset getting mm-hmm. to stay back and uh, get to relax, get to kind of get my mind right, kind of just chill out, uh, watch mm-hmm. some good football at home, 
go see Elton John in Allegiant nice. day after Halloween. So, uh, but yeah, um, definitely for any of you guys, because uh, I know Raider Nation, they travel, they travel different. They different when it comes to traveling. So for Raider Nation, when you're in New Orleans, make sure you go down to the French Quarters, uh, do some touristy stuff, and then kind of go out on the outskirts a little bit, get some good gumbo, get some good crawfish, and uh, same thing uh, in Jacksonville. Jacksonville has yeah. uh, some really good uh, breakfast spots kind of like right near the stadium, uh, kind of like in their Midtown area. So uh, you guys, if you're going to Jacksonville for that game, go down to Midtown, make sure you go to Jacksonville Beach, enjoy yourself. All right, my friend, thanks a lot. We're always watching. Always good to see you. I'll talk to you again. I'll see you Thursday in the building. Most definitely. See you Thursday, JT. All right, that's Levi Edwards. Check him out inside the Raiders at Raiders.com. Uh, Big Al in San Francisco as we continue here as the Raiders are getting set for the road trip. What's happening, Big Al? No, I'm just very, um, you know, very much looking forward to watching what happens with the Raiders, not just on this road trip, but a little bit further down the line. The next five games are, I mean, the Raiders could win four or five, if not all five of these games, but you can't stumble out of the gate and lose to an inferior New Orleans team. Um, If you lose that game and you're staying on the road and you're going into Florida for a week, that makes the Jacksonville game a must game and, I don't really want to see. Uh, I don't want to see the Raiders in that type of situation. New Orleans is not a very good football team. They can't stop the pass. They have players there, but they're all banged up in the secondary. The Raiders have to come out and they have to, face, you know, keep doing what they're doing with the run game. And I applaud them because they've been for much exceeded my expectations. You know, of, of, you know, running the ball, but they got to go downfield against this team. And they got to beat them, and they got to beat them up early. And then, you know, win this game and then keep the role going. A little disappointed in the Hankins, Hankins trade. Uh, when you have a quality veteran and you're going for, you're trying to go for a playoff spot, I don't think you give them up for nothing. And I felt that they, getting a sixth round pick, uh, after giving up him and a seventh round pick for death when you're going down a stretch drive and trying to make the playoffs, I'm not so sure I understand that. Mm-hmm. Dallas needed him. They thought they could have gotten more. Because Dallas is number twenty in the run against the uh, twenty in the league against the run, and Dallas is trying to go for the young. Know, they want the division, let alone just a playoff spot to make a good run. I thought that uh, the Raiders could have gotten more, but I'm not in the room, so we'll leave it at that. Just go out this week; it's one game at a time. If anything we've learned in this league, especially this past Sunday, which was an absolute bloodbath, um, guys go down fast. You want your depth, and you play one week at a time at this point. Just go out there and get them early. Thanks, my friend. Big Al in San Francisco, an analyst, a statistician, a guy who really studies the numbers. Yeah, Hankins, that's an interesting point about a good player with depth, but they have young players that they want to cycle in. Dave Ziegler's taking the young defensive tackles at this point in the season, a third of the way through the season with their fresher legs and going to give them more reps and get something in return for Hankins. It is a fair point. If you want the Raiders to play better, are you a better team without Jonathan Hankins? Maybe not. But you got to get something for him because he's not going to be here next year. Everybody's starting to get it. There are going to be guys who aren't back here next year who are on the roster. And Dave Ziegler is not going to be able to trade him. Not going to be able to move him. So they're going to come and they're going to go next year. And you're going to say, what did we get from him? You got nothing. They're gone. So if you can make a trade or two and upgrade the roster for next year with picks and you're able to do it and not hurt the team, and take a step backwards, I'm all for that. I think there are tiny, small deals as you can let players go. I didn't think Cleve Farrell would make it this long. I didn't. I didn't think he'd be a part of this. 
But he's playing his ass off, and he's making some plays, and he's out there in critical times. Maybe he's turned the corner with his development under this regime. We'll find out. And happy birthday to Jonathan Abram today. Raiders just uh, tweeted that out. It's Jonathan Abram's birthday, what he does in the community with Darren Waller, Max Crosby, Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro. A great Raider, no doubt about it. A great Raider. Does he make every play all the time? He doesn't, but he's a good man, and I want him to be here. And if they get something for him, they'll move him. If not, he'll play out the rest of the year, put some action on tape, and if they're blown away by it, he'll be back as a Raider. This is a business. You're all aware of that. And before the trade deadline, a lot of business decisions are made. Robert's out in Portland on the Raiders mobile app. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, JT. Uh, I think the critical thing about this game is you saw how Boza was uh, miscast on Sunday by the, the, the you know the Chiefs. Andy Reid especially made him look bad. Uh, I think that the key will be Kamara. I think Kamara is going to be used as a stopgap at times. You know, even in third down seven. They're going to throw it to him on Crosby's side. I just think that's that's all he can do with Dalton, who cannot, you know, he's not mobile anymore. And the key to beating the Saints is you've got to put get ahead of him first and then put heat on him the rest of the game, and that's when they, you know, they struggle. But this club, with Michael Thomas and Jarvis uh, Landry, both questionable for this game coming up, it's going to be Kamara, and Troutman is also hurt, mm-hmm. so, you know, they're tied in over the middle. You've always said all year the Raiders' Achilles heels over the middle. And I think that Kamara's going to be the key to their game, and I think if they keep an eye on him, and Crosby's got to be leery of this, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. just going to be an interesting game, a chess match, especially with uh, Pete Carmichael. He, he has Hill as back up to Dalton. It's going to be an interesting game, I think. Everybody's got to be careful. Awesome. Thank you. I think that's a great phone call. really is. Appreciate that out of Portland on the Raiders mobile app is that he talked about running screens against Max Crosby. So Max comes around the edge like a bull. But one thing Max does really well, and he did it in the last game, is he knocks down balls. He puts his hands up if he can't get to the quarterback. As we say, if he can't get home, he'll put his hands up. But I think that's a good point because Max comes around the edge fast, and if you can dump it off to Kamara – and he gets past Max and is able to make a linebacker miss, he's dangerous. That's the type of analysis we'd like from the callers and those on social media on Twitter and Facebook. What do you see as some of the concerns heading into this game? They're banged up and injured, and as Big Al said, the call before it, the Raiders have better personnel. They have a better quarterback. And and maybe a little look ahead into the future of what you're going to be hearing more from me. You're going to hear a lot more from me about this quarterback. And mostly good. Derek wins. He's 2-4. and four. Derek has a game like he did with no turnovers the last game. A big touchdown pass to Mac Hollins down the middle. You hear great things from me. But Derek's got to outperform these other quarterbacks, period. And through the third quarter, he did not outperform Davis Mills. He did not. Davis Mills was playing well. He was impressing me, and they came out with a game plan to throw it. When we talked to the coach, we thought it was going to be handoff, handoff, throw. Handoff, handoff, throw. And they came out throwing it and making good chunk throws. So with the Raider defense giving up chunk yards in the middle of the field, I mean right in the middle of the field, I look for other quarterbacks, even the unexperienced ones, inexperienced ones to throw. And then for this quarterback in Derek Carr, now that the running game has been established, you would think that Derek would open up the offense more with Josh McDaniels. 
unless Josh McDaniel says, you know, not yet, Derek. We're running the ball so damn well with the purpose, we're going to continue to run it. I mean, every day I break out this sports page. Here the Las Vegas Review-Journal surging to a win. That was Monday. Today, Raiders turned to power offense with Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is getting a lot of press, a lot of good press, and that could help him in years to come if he leaves and goes somewhere else, or that could help him staying in Las Vegas with the new contract. He is playing like a freaking beast. All right, let's reset the phones to the top of the hour, 702-365-9200. We're still looking forward to giving away a Grimaldi's gift card for $50 for the best caller with the game plan as we set it up ahead of time for this game. Tomorrow, Vinny Bonsignor will join us. I think we have a Raider alumni. I'll work on some other guests. Thursday and Friday will be nice. Last Thursday and Friday, I was with Charles Woodson. I'm starting to feel it today. (laughs) A couple of good nights with C. Wood and the Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. They're a proud partner of our show. Cut off and neutralized by Higgs. Scampers back in. Higgs to the middle of Matteo. Shoots. He scores! Rifles it off the crossbar and in. Mike Matteo gives the Knights a 3-1 lead. How about that? Knights Radio on the call. Our sister station, VGK Radio. JT back with you. Hope everybody's doing well. I want to share something. Baseball, the World Series is coming up. And Bryce Harper's from Vegas. And I'm rooting for Philly. I don't want the Astros. I despise the cheating Astros. But they're very good, and they're not, I guess they're not cheating anymore. They've won one World Series, one. That's it. The Yankees have 27. That does matter. But the Astros own the Yankees, own them. The way the Dodgers have owned the Padres forever, and the Padres just beat the Dodgers. Yankees cannot find a way to beat the Astros. So last night I hosted my Monday Night Football show. I was there for an hour or so over at Doghouse at Resorts World. And one of our listeners came up to me named Rick, and he said, JT, I'm a big Yankee fan like you are. You're cranky Yankee. Whenever you lose your mind, I get a kick out of it, but I feel your pain. And he said to me, he goes, who do you think on this Yankee team hates losing the most? And I paused and I said, wow, I've never, I've never heard that. What do you mean? He said, well, the old Yankees, whenever they lost, you could see it in their faces. He goes, the other night when they got swept, did you see the look? on any of their faces that they look devastated. And I said, you know, you got a point there. So he said, which player on the team you think is hurting the most? To me, it is an Aaron Judge. He's like a robot, just like a robot. Stanton can't even put a sentence together. And then the rest of the guys are young, or I think it's Garrett Cole's the answer. Cole is their $340 million pitcher. I think he's the guy that just shows that he's pissed off. But it was a good question, and I said I was going to mention his name on the show today. And that's, I'm a big body language guy. So I like to see emotion. I like raw emotion. I like quarterbacks who throw tablets. I like baseball players who break water coolers. I like coaches who curse Mike Ditka, a John Gruden. A Josh McDaniels doesn't have to do that. I'm not saying you have to do that, but that's the era I grew up in. I grew up in the Billy Martin era of the Yankees and he, him winning and getting fired every couple of years. And him yelling, Earl Weaver yelling at an umpire. I like that. Maybe you don't. Joe Torre didn't show a lot of emotion. He won four out of World, uh, five World Series. So I just wanted to thank the guy, Rick, who came out to, uh, up to me last night at Doghouse. And I, I wanted to mention him today because that 
I do most of my research in sports by talking to fans. I go to games, as you know, and when I'm at games, I talk to fans. And then I take that information and I bring it back to the radio, along with the stats and the analysis and what I watch on TV. And it was really important to me last night that I had a pretty cool conversation with a guy who really connected with me on the Yankees' loss, what we were both feeling, and the fact that he brought something up to me that I wouldn't have thought of unless he told it to me. So thanks again to Rick and everybody else who came out to Doghouse Saloon. We have a little bit of sound here I want to play from Josh, uh, excuse me, Josh McDaniels, first off on the O-line. I think the O-line is what he's talking about the most, just my opinion. He always mentions it to me on Thursday in these press conferences. This was the work in progress, and I think the scouts, the GM, the coaches are feeling pretty good about it. Josh, obviously there were concerns on offensive line at first couple games, but if you look at how they're playing as a unit and the way Josh is exploding, Certainly, you have to be pretty pleased right now. We're there. Is that yeah? I I mean, look, our their job is to protect the quarterback and allow the backs to have an opportunity to make yards in a running game. And so, um, gave up a sack yesterday on a play that probably should you know we didn't need to do that. But um, you know, I think for the most part, you know, they're protecting the quarterback uh, pretty well. Um, again, always room for improvement in that. But I think for the most part, they're doing the right things there. And then they're giving the backs an opportunity to hit the line of scrimmage without being, you know, there's two guys in the backfield. And so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, not having negative runs, not having quarterback hits or pressures or sacks. And when you come out of the game and there's only a couple plays where that was the case, then those guys are generally doing their job, you know. And I think the other thing that offensive linemen love, and you can start to see it as the game goes on, is, you know, the more you hand the ball to the back, the more they get to go forward. And offensive linemen, if you ask, you know, every one of them to a man, would you rather run block or pass block? I mean, most of them are going to say, I'd rather go this way, you know. And so I get to wear on that guy, and I get to lean on this guy, and I get to finish my block instead of trying to go backward and hold off some of these really good pass rushers. So obviously we got to do both in every game. But, you know, the more they get going, the more Josh gets going, the running game gets going, I think the more in sync we become. And um, they've really done a good job of, you know, we talk about trying to be a physical team. You know, it's impossible if those guys don't set the tone. So um, happy with what we did yesterday and looking forward to building on it. Yeah, I thought that was a really good soundbite, really good, because this offensive line has to keep playing well. You know, Big Al made a good point when he called in. I always reference his calls because something stayed with me. If the Raiders lose this game to New Orleans, it's back to a must-win game at Jacksonville. I don't want to see a must-win game. For everybody who says it's must-win, there's still plenty of football left. But you've got to beat New Orleans to have two in a row to get to three in a row with Jacksonville. So no step backwards. And the offensive line has been a really important part of this team. And as long as the offensive line continues to play at a fair or above-average level, not great, just fair or above-average, I really think they have a shot at doing something special here because then they can play explosive and they can do a lot of things that I think are going to be really important going forward. Hey, quickly, off of Monday Night Football last night, let's get a Justin Fields touchdown in here. This was incredible. This kid played really well in a hostile environment in New Orleans where a lot of quarterbacks have never won. The Bears have never won a game. Do you believe this? The Bears never won a game in the history of Foxborough, and they did last night. Patriots show blitz. They got a picket fence behind him. Quick throw, screen. Herbert to catch 20. There he goes, 10. Nobody's going to touch him. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Bears. 
I thought that was incredible there. He really played a good, solid game. That was an important game, and I was impressed. Now, there's a little bit of controversy because after the game, Zappi, the quarterback for New England, didn't want to get caught in a trap because the quarterback spoke before the head coach. And these, these media members in New England, they know they're getting nothing from Belichick. So they went after the quarterback first. Bill Belichick told ESPN that it was the plan all along for both quarterbacks to play. Did you know that both quarterbacks were going to play tonight? Uh, you know, I prepared like I was, like I have every other week. And if that decision was made for me to go in, then I was going to go out there and, you know, do the best for my team. Good answer by Zappi. That's basically a no comment. And then they followed up with Belichick on trying to get him to explain what he was thinking going with two quarterbacks. Do you see a situation where you might go one quarterback one week and one the next and have kind of a platoon situation? Or are you going to start one quarterback each week? Yeah. No, I don't see that. <laughs> Bill Belichick press conference is awful loss. There's not many of them. That one was a doozy last night and more from earlier today. Uh, thanks to Bobby for putting this show together. Levi Edwards from the Raider, Raider Digital team. We appreciate him coming on. Our guests really come in big. We appreciate what they have to say. Everybody, thanks a lot for listening to the show. And please keep listening because we got big shows the rest of the week. As New Orleans is coming to town and we have a lot to talk about. Jeff Sherman and Steve Weish from NFL Network. Q's on deck. I saw him today. He's got a ton of information. He's ready to roll on the flagship.